0: Hello, and welcome to the Product Management Growth Through Failure podcast. This week, I'm joined by Carl Brown, who is the co-founder of Curve. Curve is a social network reimagined, a platform where you don't follow people, you join movements. You don't chase likes, you take action. We talk about the evolution of social media, how Curve is looking to grow and learn from the industry's failures. And we also talk about the initial Curve idea, the pivot, and how hard it is to build a startup before we jump in firstly let me just apologize there is a little bit of static in parts of today's podcast i've reduced it as much as possible but again massive apologies now i think you're going to love this one so let's dive in Carl, welcome to the Product Management Growth Through Failure Podcast. It's great to have you on. Uh, We were introduced uh, via a mutual friend uh, a few years ago now. And after our first chat, I wrote a tweet and I wanted to read it to you because I spent a lot of time scrolling for it today. And and it goes like this. This morning, I had a call about one of the best product ideas I've heard about. I came off that call this morning with my head spinning with thoughts about the difference it could make to the world. That product, of course, is Curve, of which you are the co-founder. So... What is Curve and what is its mission?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words, Mark. I'd say you've summed it up pretty well there. Um, Curve is a social network reimagined in that you don't follow people, you join movements and you participate in those movements. So it becomes a lot less about you and much more so about what you care about and what you stand for. In doing that, I think we've created a system that reimagines the way social media needs to be with both yourself, community, and also the world World and that and its needs in mind
0: I think I think that sums up nicely and that's kind of what I felt the first time we spoke and I think you always put it so eloquently that makes you think of a future where I think it's no secret the media even talks about it now about how we're scrolling forever through just the same old rubbish basically and I think when I look at your marketing you often talk about social media 3.0 what is social media 3.0? And I guess it also begs the question, what was 1.0 and 2.0? Well,
1: there has been a sort of a phasing of social media in that it started off as a kind of classic social network, the Facebook vibe of you connect with friends. And then it went into something that was more focused on recommendation media. So then algorithms suddenly became an integral part of the experience we got and therefore the effects on society and the way that we think the way we feel what we buy all of that became centered around what these algorithms were pushing in front of us and the results of that have led to polarization we can go into the into the depths of the the, the difficulties that recommendation media has brought us to and but i what i would suggest is 3.0 is around the corner and that is in curve in that actually there is a a version of social media, and there is a version of these algorithms that can be centered around the needs of society as opposed to using society to generate revenue through advertising and so that that's where I see us going is there is a there needs to be a reawakening a almost a revolution away from where we are today
0: that's so interesting. I think we're of a generation a similar age where we kind of grew up, we were, we were 1.0 moving into 2.0 as a kind of, we were the guinea pigs, if if you will. And, but I think until you step back and actually look at that, I, I didn't think of it like that, that it, because actually thinking about in my space, Bebo, uh, Facebook in its early days, it was the social network, right? Posting on people's walls, poking people on Facebook. It, But this algorithmic, you know, content data driven where effectively we've sold our souls with our data and we just get inundated with ads. And I think we can all agree that that is not necessarily for social good at least 99% of the time. It's so interesting to hear you talk about it like that because I'd never thought about it like that. And so 3.0 is using the algorithms, in your opinion, for that social change and that social good. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's what we're calling the anti-echo chamber effect. In the At the moment, algorithms are essentially there to keep you hooked and addicted to a feed for as long as possible. That's why they exist. What do we need to put in front of you next that will make sure that you watch that and then go on to the next and on to the next and on to the next? Because the more time you spend looking at that feed, the more ads you are going to see, the more ads you see, the more money we'll make. Whereas there is a version of algorithms out there which is focused specifically with the needs of society in mind. Like, can we create a system in which we proactively diversify what you see, but do it in a way that still lends itself into an experience that you enjoy, that you want? And we think we've come up with uh, a model, a formula that would enable that precise thing to happen.
0: You touched on something there, I think, around almost the commerciality of, of social media, right? It's very much around generating revenue through ads normally targeted, which is normally via selling your data uh, to third parties and, and whatnot. How will Curve operate in that space where it obviously is needs to generate revenue and be a business, but also that social change and, I guess, social media for good? Are they at odds with each other?
1: No, definitely not. I mean, could we take down capitalism? Potentially. Uh, maybe that's later on down the line. But but right now, I think that the, the key thing is that advertising as a model can be replaced. It doesn't have to be focused on advertising. And indeed, specifically as well, advertising on the feed. That's where a big issue comes because what do I become addicted to? A feed. I need to be endlessly scrolling to generate revenue as a business. That can't carry on. We We have to remove that straight away. What Curve is doing is is kind of a three-pronged approach. The first is a subscription model, not for you as a member of the community, but actually more specifically into the movements. You've probably heard of Patreon, where you can subscribe to specific influencers. The thing about that model is that that totally works, but it's, again, very self-absorbed. It becomes about one individual and then them sharing content specifically for that paying audience. What we're focused on is movement builders that build, Build a community, building deeper features that enable that community to really thrive, and therefore the movements to thrive. And then you have the opportunity to subscribe, i.e., kind of donate, support each of the movements on the platform that, that you want to support, that you love. A second part is amplification, in which we, of course, we have an explore page in which you can discover new movements that attach and connect to you and your and your um, your ideals for life. There, of course, you know, there's going to be a point in the not too distant future in which we'll have. Maybe hundreds or even thousands of movements on the platform. You're going to want to stand out, and so there's opportunities there to amplify yourself to be featured as a movement, and that still aligns with our values because every single movement on Curve goes through a check-in process first, so we know we're not going to go against at odds with with what we're trying to achieve. And then the third one, which is perhaps more complex, a little bit more tricky, uh, and we'll need more consideration, is something that we're calling the alignment model. We'll take an example of one of the movements on Curve. We have one called. Find the Wild. And Find the Wild is this community, growing community of people that are actively outdoors and love getting out into nature. Now, naturally, there are many organizations and brands out there that would love to attach themselves to that movement, to become a partner to that movement. And so it goes much further than just placing an ad on a screen and hoping for some double taps. Instead, what you're getting is an opportunity to sponsor, to collaborate, to work with a movement that aligns with your values and be a genuine financial support to that movement, but also uh, a supplier, someone that can assist and help with what you are doing and how you are going about doing it. That way, by making it a true partnership opportunity, we can also remove the issue of, of something, say, like greenwashing, in which a brand can use the system to try and seem like they're doing something great when they're really not. And of course, if every movement has to go through a check-in process, every organization or brand that wants to sponsor on the platform would have to do go through the same process as well you've got to pass that remit. And you might argue, well, hold on, that's lovely in, in kind of concept and like, well done to you. Uh, but really, you're not gonna be able to keep to that, are you? The the argument to that would be, we are building something that has values right front and center. It's the reason you join Curve in the first place. And so if we were to go against those values, we would be doing what we are trying to achieve, a disservice. And therefore, because of that, we are less likely to grow. It's our USP. And therefore, because of that we're hopeful that any future investors that are coming into our party that might think like, hey, hold on. No, just make us more money, please. We we, we, we can go back to them with, well, ho- we have to stay true to our values. Otherwise, we we will not continue to grow. Uh, and that's the kind of balancing act that we'll be looking at once we get to that stage, of course.
0: I just want to pick up on something that I thought was really interesting, which I, again, I didn't know about, which is that uh, verification process, right? for To allow people on. That's quite an interesting model. I think it's fair to say most companies not even social media companies look at aggressive growth i think it's fair to say that that verification model could lead to slower growth but are you bothered by that
1: so it's interesting what what do we mean by growth take the situation with musk right now and the whole scenario when he was buying the company of course it all slowed down came to a halt when he said oh hold on apparently there are bots on this platform as if he didn't know (laughs) Now, do we count that as growth? Like, congratulations, you've got loads of fake accounts on this system. Like, What actual worth does that bring to the world and or to the users of that platform? So... What we're looking at here is 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 a situation in which we currently have social media platforms that offer those crazy numbers, in theory at least, that we have these opportunities to reach millions of people. Like that already exists. So we, we can't achieve what they're doing. We would never be able to do it. So what can we offer instead to the world that actually people want where there's demand? And that is safety, healthier approach that I know is better is genuinely looking out for my mental health, and also real active engagement. Where you go beyond just getting lots of people to double tap an image, as I said before, and instead more focused on people that are real engagers in their ambassadors for what you're doing and, and are a part of what you're doing. And for that, you're, you're looking at a different set of rules. You can work to a different set of rules. It makes verification genuinely possible. Indeed, you could perhaps say that verification becomes a necessity, actually, to create that system.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. The, the safety point there as well, I think we can all agree that there are quite profound issues with current social media. There's a lot of cases in the news around mental health and unfortunately suicides. I guess through that verification, you enable that safety, right? And, and you, I guess the content is almost moderated and filtered, but in the right way, in the sense that the verification happens up front and quite visibly, and then the content on there is more natural.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we talk about safety, verification plays an integral role because let's say, again, let's let's hit Twitter because it's a cesspit. It's
0: an easy target at the minute. Uh, <laughs>
1: um, now, let's say there's an abuser on Twitter, of which there are many, and someone goes, throws out a load of hate speech. No one calls it out from Twitter, but eventually at some point, a load of people on in the community get upset and then eventually perhaps that person then gets removed. Everyone goes, okay, well done. Twitter apparently have done something morally correct. And then, of course, what ends up happening is a day later that person's rejoined with just a different account. I mean, it's as easy as anything to be able to do that from their perspective. And then they can go again. In fact, in most cases, those that are sending genuinely horrific and abusive behavior content are not using an account which is directly attached to them. It's essentially a fake account. You know, you can't connect it to an individual. So what are you removing? You're removing an email address. You're not removing whether this platform is safe or not. And that's dangerous. We're talking about a situation in which you have teenagers, vulnerable teenagers, who are using these platforms for hours on end and we're just allowing this to happen as a society like what's what's going on here? We, we, we wouldn't let this happen on the streets like why are we letting it happen behind closed doors in a private space where that 14 year old has no one to turn to indeed feels like they can't turn to someone and it's happening in some cases consistently so let, let's just make clear how important it is for society that we sort this problem out and let's not forget that problem is, is happening on a huge scale one in three have been affected by some sort of um, cyber bullying what role then does verification play well that means that if someone was to misuse this platform we can genuinely remove you like that's a big thing to say furthermore you're then in a situation in which if someone is to do something that is illegal which of course happens every single day on social media you're in a position to then be able to pass that information on to the appropriate people Now, how much then are you as an abuser? Are you going to think, you're going to question yourself? You're going to start thinking, like, well, hold on, maybe, maybe Curve isn't the place for me to do this kind of stuff. I think I'll go back to Twitter. And then you you create a system which is far healthier, safer, and much, it's never going to be an angel. Of course it's not, but it's going to be better, far better than what we currently have.
0: Yeah, I think the verification point is a really interesting one. I had an interview um a few a few years ago for a a company and they they were in the space of um ID verification mainly in banking but I remember going into the interview and a classic product interview the task was 15 minutes let's come up with an idea to solve internet safety for children now I just got up a Boris bike having uh, had to in the 30 degree heat because the uh, tube was cancelled and, and uh, running late so dripping with sweat picking up some pens trying to think in an interview scenario how do you solve internet safety for children was was challenging but do you know the first thing that came and obviously I, I worked worked with with social media data at uh, the start of my career was was verification for social media that was the first thing that came i've got a young family my eldest is 11 on tiktok and i absolutely hate it but the societal thing that you talk about how do you stop them? Because one, they're massively more tech savvy than we were at that age because it just didn't exist. And they, you, you make them delete it and they're straight back on it, right? Um, they, they know how to get around these things. And, and so much of it, like you say, is it's just an email it, and that's it. And so if Curve can truly achieve that verification in a way that still allows it to be a fantastic platform and, and it doesn't feel, I guess, intrusive and kind of overbearing, then I think that is such a massive thing but I, I agree with you from a societal point of view i think it needs to be across the board it doesn't just need to be curved it needs to be every social platform that puts these things in and it needs to be a policy change at a governmental level globally honestly but i i love your passion about it because i think that is one thing that i am fully behind a uh, verification on, on social media Which leads us on, I guess, nicely into your uh, marketing again, which talks about social media being broken. Now, I want to just step back and play devil's advocate for a minute and say, arguably, Depending on your metrics and your viewpoint, social media is very successful. There are billions and billions of, of daily active users. Monthly active users on Facebook grew last year, year on year. I think Q3 of 2021, there was 2.91 billion Facebook users monthly. And now monthly active users in Q3 of 2022 was reported at 3 billion. That's quite a significant growth, Um, albeit when you get to those numbers, it's it'll, it'll always feels small when it's a few decimal points, but why is social media broken if it's still growing?
1: Well, of course they're growing. In fact, that's part of the problem. These systems are built to make you addicted. We need them in our lives. And the more that everyone is using them, the more that, of course, others will then follow. If you take our children and the children bef- after them the children after them they're going to copy what's the first things they see like my I have a 4-year-old my 4-year-old already knows how to use Instagram perfect user you know lots of double taps <laughs> <laughs> lots of double taps lots of double taps lots of swiping lots of swiping you know like i just watch i swipe i watch i swipe they're growing because that's because we're essentially an individual against an army of engineers and so it's ingrained in nature, and we're fighting a battle against an absolute Goliath. So it's not surprising that they're growing, even, even if everyone knows the system is broken and, and trust me that this this sort of haunts me when I go to bed at night that you have these many conversations with people where they go like yeah Carl you're so right like the cyberbullying such an issue the misinformation such an issue disinformation so terrible like privacy what's going on there advertising as a thing like what's happening likes and follows like think about likes and follows just as if we take examples of a system being broken in what world does it make sense that we define our own success as human beings based on how many people like an image. It doesn't take much to take a step back from that situation and think, well, hold on, of course this is going to send people into anxiety. Of course this is going to have a real negative impact on people's mental health and self-esteem. Of course it will. (laughs) It's almost inevitable. And yet those people that are feeling that pain the most, are the ones that are using the system more than anyone else. They're also the ones that are very difficult to then guide them away from the system because of that addictive mentality. It's like taking an addict away from the casino. They know, they know they shouldn't be there, but they just have to keep going back for more. Now, because of that whole system, you're, you're then in a place in which you do have this oxymoron. You, you, you have this, this sort of weird polarizing effect of like, here's someone who's doing something that they know is wrong for them, but they can't help themselves. They just have to keep on doing it. And so the two things of growth and something being fundamentally broken for society and environment, albeit not for the stakeholders of Meta, specifically Trump and Zuckerberg, uh, <laughs> albeit for them, of course it's not broken because what do they care about? they care? about is that dau how many people can be addicted to this system every single day for hours on end and and the more people that are doing that the the greater my bottom line is going to be and so yes it's damn right it's damn broken mark it's broken
0: i said devil's advocate (laughs) i want to take us back to a college dorm and a young mark zuckerberg that founds facebook and founds it to your interesting point I think earlier, social media 1.0 as a social network. What happened? How did, to, to exactly what you were just talking about there, how did we go from a social network, which, if we look at the heart of it and intrinsically, was about connecting people and about, you know, creating that online connection, which I think in its purest form, you could argue is a good thing. And I think, you know, Curve still has that element of online connection, right? A, what happened? And do you think it's a greed thing that, that these companies just move so? far away from potentially their original mission.
1: Let's take that dorm room situation. Now, we can paint it up to make it feel like it's a really, it's a lovely situation of this student with a dream to to connect all of the students in, in his university to sort of bring harmony and tranquility to all of the students. It wasn't about communication, I'm going to argue. Someone like Zuckerberg, not that I know the guy, but what you can take from the way that he interacts and responds and talks about what he's done and the articles about him and so on, is growth has always been in his obsession. How do I just get that metric of users up, up, up and up? Growth at all cost mentality. Now, where did that truth and traction come from? It actually came down to things that were not thought about from a holistic perspective, a societal perspective. And of course it wasn't. It was a student in a dorm room before social networks had existed, of course. Like, you, you can't put the blame on the poor guy. But but all the, all the while, the, the actual thing that he was focusing on was growth. And therefore, it became about... Being dating. It became about like, who's that sexy person who's on in that picture? Oh, I've been tagged in something. I better check that I look good. They're the kind of things that the, the model really honed in on quickly because they were the things that were working. And as, as mentioned, you can't knock that really because growing something from nothing there. We're in a different position, right? If Mark Zuckerberg was in a dorm room today, you would hope that he would have looked at what's been before and gone, well, what do I have to do to actually make sure that what we're building here has both my profits in mind, but also the people that are using it in mind and the society that it's going to help. And help is an important word there. What's its role in the bigger picture? They didn't think about that. They thought about growth. We have the opportunity of hindsight in which we can look back on what's what's happened before. We can learn from that and then take a different direction. I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I, I think it gives perspective.
0: No, I think it's. I think it does give perspective. And I think, look, neither of us are uh, Mark Zuckerberg's best friends and, and know how he, he thinks and feels. But I think it's an interesting point about, to, to speak to the name of the podcast, Learning from Failure. And I think there was nothing to learn from. I think that's a really fair point you make, actually. Because I think it's, it is at times often to just kind of put these guys to the sword. But they were 1.0. They were the first people to do it. Now there is obviously arguments to say that they are such behemoths now that they have the the capital and the resources to, to change, to learn from the failure. But I think we see more of the same a lot. But can Curve learn from an industry's failure? Is it possible to do that? Well, of course it is
1: absolutely i think we have to be inspired by what they have got wrong <laughs> like it, they've essentially created a problem and of course the best startups the best ideas always start with a problem that is being solved essentially they have created a problem in in removing the social part of social media the actual part of of community and connection i don't care what's written down as their mission statement they are not doing that so how can we go about solving that problem. And to do that, of course, we need to learn through the failures of what has been before.
0: I think that's uh, very eloquently put. I think traditional social media companies still speak to a massive mission, and I think personally that they miss it quite often. I think you also touched on before about how we're all still scrolling and we're all feeding into the machine, right? But we will all ha- happily sit there and talk about why it's broken, and but we're still fueling that fire, right, by by using it and being those those daily active users. But I think potentially as companies like Curve start to disrupt the market and bring these new ideas and this growth from previous failures in. What's stopping a traditional social media company pivoting and going down a similar route to Curve?
1: Well, we've seen that a number of times, haven't we? In recent years, you could take an example like Clubhouse and how that then obviously got rinsed by both LinkedIn gave it a go and also Twitter perhaps been the most successful in in replacing what Clubhouse was trying to do. And more recently, Be Real has hit the market. And within months, not even that, a couple of months maybe, TikTok jumped straight in and basically replicated the exact feature of Be Real. Curve for me is, is unique in that, we're not, we're not Instagram with morals. We're, we're not something that has been before, perhaps with a funky different feature. It's in our culture. Yes, of course. But it's actually ingrained in the whole structure of the platform. It's much deeper than a feature because everything is centered around this one concept that you don't follow people, you join movements and you participate in those movements. And it's removed the all the other factors. For me, there is something potent there in that what you're joining is the communities and the values behind that system as opposed to the feature add-on which may or may not be replicated by instagram down the line
0: i listened to a podcast called um, rocket ship and they did an episode a few weeks ago about social media companies and how they effectively tit for tat just take each other's ideas. Snapchat with stories, Instagram takes stories. I think I'm not a user of TikTok, but within this podcast, they talk about how TikTok is now starting to be the one that's starting to take ideas from things like Instagram, whereas previously, Instagram was taking ideas from there with things like the reels and whatever to you know, on that more addictive, you know, just swipe down and, and it brings through. But I think the central argument was around kind of retention and, and engagement around posts versus the kind of you know home feed so uh, i think tiktok introduced the ability to uh, kind of more follow people more and then engage with content from people you follow whereas i think originally the central theme was around their For You page, right? Which it is so interesting to hear you talk about that in the context of Curve to say okay, people can copy us, go for it but you still don't have the intrinsic values and the culture that we set out from day one.
1: Yeah, and, and furthermore, there's, there's sort of two other things that can be thrown into that. The first is they're working on a growth at all costs model. Now, that is at the effect or the detriment then of the values that they can be held to, right? So what if we weren't Seeking growth at all costs. Instead, we were we were seeking a more qualitative, a more community driven, a more active, engaged community as opposed to the biggest possible. That there brings a different value that the others don't. And I mentioned that because if if the if Instagram or TikTok are copying us, we know we're doing something right. We know we've achieved something where they've gone. Whoa, 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 hold on. What are they doing over there? That's freaking us out a little bit. We, we better do something about that. But of course, that that's the the, the ticket that I'm hoping that we can find ourselves in is that people aren't coming for the feature. They're coming because of that community-driven, values-focused, safe space for me and what I believe in.
0: You said something interesting then which is if they do copy you, you're doing something right. And I I don't think anyone could disagree with that, right? Certainly companies of those size, they don't copy bad features, or certainly not very often, right? So I think that's a really interesting point. Is there a part that if actually Curve can force traditional social medias to be more conscious of of societal impacts, then Curve has even played a bigger role than even the app and the technology plays for its users, but is a wider societal impact? And that would be a huge legacy for for Curve.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, agreed.
0: (laughs) One of the things I I look at when I use Curve is the movements. I really like the idea. I think it's fair to say a lot of the movements are based around societal good and societal change and, and having a positive impact on society, the climate, whatever the movement might be, right? What role can technology and specifically social media play in The changes we need to make as a society for the good in obviously many facets, but I'm thinking climate, I'm thinking cyberbullying, all those things you touched on there. What is that role? I mean everything, Mark,
1: I go as far to say. For me, social media is perhaps the most incredible invention ever created by humankind to change behavior at scale, ever. Nothing else even comes close to it. It completely changes the way we think. It changes the way we feel. It changes what we buy. And therefore, of course, social media is intrinsic to any form of change. Anything in which we need progress or we need to shift the needle, social media is front and center in a way that no one seems to really be talking about. So there's that, and that's just based on the current model on Instagram. That's based on that. If you then were to build a system that was focused predominantly on how you can take action and participate in the things that you care about, then not only are you changing then the minds and thoughts of the individuals on the platform, but you're also directly changing the actions that they are taking in that moment that then encourage other people to do the same, the knock-on effect, the network effect being guided not by likes, but by taking action. And therefore, if you were to place that into the role of something big like the environment in which many of us feel almost helpless, but willing and wanting to do something about it, that there gives it something concrete. And importantly, it gives it community Unity. Many young people, Generation Z, who are very conscious of this more than any other generation, this problem, this overarching problem of what's this world going to look like when I'm grown up, right? That there is bringing anxiety. That's bringing a, a mental health sort of come down, right? Where sort of burnout is becoming intrinsic to just their life. That there is can be helped immensely by building community around those actions in which people then don't feel alone in the struggles that that they find themselves in. But furthermore, I want to bring up a really important point about what we're doing. Curve cannot be a space for activism alone. If we created that, then we would create an echo chamber in which those that are interested would join and those that would not would, would stay away that's not useful i mean it is to an extent but it's not as useful as it could be my point being is that a movement let's reimagine what that word really means like a community of people that are taking action for a thing they care about that could be like we have on the platform already photography we have a photography movement we have a movement focused on the pets <laughs> like <laughs> what's different here is that in- instead of you posting pictures of, of your puppy because you know you want the likes is you're posting pictures of your puppy because you're a part of a community of people that love puppies and you're posting to be a part of something bigger than yourself. That's the key difference. And and therefore, this can become a system that works across a number of passions, whatever it might be, but with a different focus, with a different lens. And it's that lens which is the thing that's difficult to replicate on, on somewhere like Instagram or TikTok as well.
0: I'm glad you talked about action because that is a key theme of Curve, right, that you don't just join the movements, but you participate in the challenges and the and, and then you take action on the back of it. And I guess that actually speaks to how curve intends to drive societal change through social media is that online is taken offline in action.
1: Absolutely where the two worlds combine. Instead of us being glued to uh TikTok at 2 a.m after an hour just scrolling down that feed, instead curve is a very different space to that already. We've barely got started in that you feel encouraged to get out there to go and do stuff and how wonderful that is and we've barely got started on the features in which how how much can we combine those two worlds of the online world and the real life world and build community around that it's a very exciting future i think um, if social media was focused with the right intentions and at the moment it is so far from that
0: the other thing you talk about the movements and the variety already on the platform photography pets but also things like climate and and um, uh, get outdoors or the one you referenced earlier. There's a huge product community on on Twitter that's looking for a new home. Can we come to Curve?
1: Yes, Mark. I feel like this is the beginnings. In fact, Mark, why, why don't you start the movement? Let's let's get it going right here, right now. I think we it's, it's it's official, right?
0: We've done it. Yeah, we've just done it. We so all my all my current Twitter followers and and podcast listeners, we're on Curve now. Where they come to Curve and have the product community there. But when I think about the product community, the product community in technology is is such a a force for positivity the majority of the time and people wanting to help each other. And I think that really aligns with with Curve. So I would love to start a product movement on Curve and set challenges and participate and, and grow that community with you. The past. This isn't the first Curve, shall we say. This is Curve 2.0. Curve started even more time ago than this version. I want to take you back to those origins of, of the original Curve. What was that original app and what problem was that trying to solve?
1: So we started off, strangely, in personal development. The app was originally focused on what are the actions you can take for yourself? What's the science-backed action that will help me boost my confidence or boost my productivity levels or boost my leadership skills or help me with my own mindset. And that there actually did pretty well. The whole concept was that you would choose your curve for the day, which was basically this cool funky video. You would then choose it and go, right, I'm gonna do this thing today. We launched that app back in 2020, which was a very important year for many of us a big year because of course as we launched it just prior to that a covid had hit and at that point the whole platform um was under the wings of a company called working voices which is a a communications and training company where face-to-face training was the bread and butter of what we were doing. Now, COVID was not great for that business <laughs> because of course, face-to-face training just drops like that uh, overnight. And so with that, any budget or funding towards this curve project, this kind of side hustle uh, got removed almost instantly. Now we made 2000 downloads, I think, in the opening two months. We managed to get really positive feedback. I have this feedback mechanism in the app as well. And it was like Ninety-seven percent or something. It was great, you know, like really good. The issue was retention. So people were joining it, saying they loved it, using it for a couple of weeks, and then they would slowly disappear, and then that was it. They would vanish. Uh, and then, of course, we had no money to try and get them back, or to lo- or to try and change something to make it work. And so, at that point, we had to go outward and go. Well, well, let's separate it first of all. Like this, no longer can be a working voices thing. Let's take it on its own path. And second to that, like we need to go and learn. Let's go talk to people about what's working and what isn't, so then hopefully we can get some investment. Now, at this stage of, of communicating, talking to a huge different range of people, people that have built apps, people in product, people in marketing, the users themselves, what we learned very quickly was the thing that was grabbing attention, especially at that point in time, was not what actions can I take for myself, but more what actions can I take for community, for the world at large. Black Lives Matter was a, an, a, that was a big moment for Black Lives Matter through 2020, and so that there suddenly became front and center of people's minds, like, what's my role in that movement? How do I get involved and show that I believe in what they stand for? And so we got to work. We thought, okay, cool. Let's let's go and find some cool voices in those spaces and uh, give them a voice, sort of create cool actions, curves around them. But we learned something very quickly at that point. They already have a space. It's called social media. But the problem was, was they were doing the same things as everyone else. They were chasing likes and follows because that was what those platforms were built to achieve, not to help them drive action and raise awareness outside of their own echo chambers. Well, there is a problem that needs to be solved. And the deeper you go down that rabbit hole, as we've discussed on this podcast, the more problems you face and find. Well, this needs to change. And as communications experts, this feels like the real calling for what Curve is meant to be. And so it was through that point that we then started reaching out again to more young people, specifically people that wanted to use social media to drive change and going, talk to us. What are your problems with social media? What do you wish social media could do for you? And it was through those conversations that we essentially designed, developed, iterated around them, their thoughts and their ideas. We ended up speaking to more than 100 people through that period. And then eventually got ourselves in a position in which we could then start um, developing. We start developing. Then three months later, we release the minimum viable products. We try and get it out as quickly as possible. And we give 100 of those people that we, we built relationships with already 100 people access to that platform and no one else and then through that we then started to iterate again we we built out this massive vision essentially on on figma and then we went back to the basics in development and then we started again based on the way they were using it what their thoughts were what they needed from the platform what was working on the platform and that went on for about six months before we allowed anyone else onto the platform Uh, and then we continued to iterate since then so that's the kind of the the way that we've gone from this this concept of, hey, like, here's an app for personal development to, hey, here's an app for taking action, actually, across all parts of your life. But at the center of both of those, those ideas is, is, is action. How do I take action? How do we make taking action accessible and give it the ability to be done at scale?
0: So I think that there's some really interesting things, certainly for a product community to listen and learn from there. So the first being the way you actually went about building the next version of Curve, which I think you've almost ticked it all the right boxes from a product development and a you know, product discovery, should I, I should say, um, kind of standpoint. And I know we spoke very early in the process about minimum viable products, about having a short feedback loop, about getting it out there and, and getting people using it. And I'm so glad you took that approach, because I think what's actually usable now is such a fantastic um, product that you can get value from straight away. I want to go back again to that original app, did you learn from kind of I don't want to call it a failure per se because it it had success but maybe even the process failures you know did you build the first app in the same way where you went out and validated the problem and and spoke to people and actually figured out there's a problem to solve or was it totally different
1: I mean you you might know the phrasing better than I as an actual product person as opposed to someone who's sort of faking it as they go but um yeah, doing very well the i think it's called like waterfall thinking or something is that right
0: yeah waterfall development
1: yes So, I mean, basically, with the first one, I never spoke to anyone. I I essentially had this great idea, and I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was perfect. No one could surely have an issue with this. Uh, And then we built what was in my head uh, because I was so good at convincing people to get on board with the idea. Now, at that point, we then release it, and almost instantly, as soon as people actually start using it, I think, well, I wish I hadn't done that. (laughs) Um, And so I, I completely got... Got it wrong the first time round completely and that is where and you know the biggest learning curve no pun intended was this focus on not only learning by learning through others but i didn't even i didn't even know the retention i, I didn't even know that was a thing so i was going into completely blind like like i wasn't chasing retention at that point until i realized wow retention's really important so this this second time round retention has been my absolute my the the focus for what we're doing, much more so than growth, I should make clear. And to achieve retention, you need to talk to the people using your platform. There's, there's really no other way. I don't think, well, there probably is, but not to my knowledge, there isn't.
0: Do you know what by your own admission you're not a product person but so that's not your background but actually you are a product person and that is why you're on this podcast because the the things you've achieved in such a short period of time and certainly without kind of I guess traditional guidance of having a, a product leader you can learn from or mentor you but actually you've then taken all the right steps second time around and I think that for me is why this podcast is so interesting to me in that you know that first time you you did it wrong right you did it in a wrong way or, or you know there were things to change. And the second time around, you grew from that and you kind of had that untapped growth of, how do I do this better? How do I actually go and figure out how to get people to use it? And now retention, you know, as a product person, retention is so huge And, and growth is also important, right? But if you have growth and then high churn, you're constantly chasing the next the next and the next and the next because you're just replacing. You're not growing at that point, right? So retention is is, is massively important. It's so positive to to hear you talk talk about it like that.
1: Yeah, for, for just to, just to throw something in there, actually, for me, it seems like you can buy growth. Like that's that's a, you literally you can put money behind anything, and you're probably going to get people to then use it. But you can't buy retention. Retention is something that is in, in, intrinsic, ingrained into the actual platform you've built. It's either got value or hasn't. So it makes perfect sense to, to not worry too much about growth. You've got to worry a little bit, especially as a social network. But the real, the real value, I think, is in retention, absolutely.
0: That's a really interesting point, actually. I think, can you buy growth? Absolutely, right? If you go out and get some investment and spend it all on marketing and put it in people's faces, you're going to achieve some growth. And I think, actually, that's what a lot of companies do, is they chase the growth. I would argue that you... I wouldn't say buy retention, you can invest in retention. I think that's a better way of putting it, in that actually by focusing on the problem and doing exactly what you did second time around, going out and validating the problem and then building to solve that problem, the retention then is exactly like you say in the value. Have you generated value for me? Do I see the value? Yes. I'm going to carry on using it. It's as simple as that. Nobody stops using a product they love, right? It just... Why would you? People stop using products that don't give them value, that that doesn't have that lovable feeling and then bring you back to it. And so retention is so important. You're absolutely right. There was one thing I think you touched on with the original app and Curve as it is now, which is action. That's always been the central theme. And I think that's an important thing for people to kind of recognize is although you learned and grew on on the original idea, there was a central concept of action here, right? It was just maybe slightly misguided based on your, like you say, that idea in your head, it was amazing. I'm going to build it, build it. Oh, but action has stayed as a as a central theme.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and and that I think is is quite interesting, really, isn't it? Like a pivot in its traditional sense. I'm I'm not sure if if you're meant to pivot away from your overarching goal, but I I would think probably not. There's probably something ingrained in in what we were trying to achieve, and the way you go about it will mold and shift as you learn. But actually, we've essentially taken what we were doing before and we put it in overdrive. We've just thought far bigger, and we, we we didn't really was the idea we had back then had the potential to be as big an idea as it is now. Furthermore, what's also interesting about this approach is I feel like we've barely got started. We've been developing now for months and months and months, like, I actually don't know how long. It, it's been a long time, and yet I feel like there is so much we need to do. And that, as a as a way of, of thinking, just, first of all, it doesn't happen with small goals. You, you need something large enough for, for that to be possible. But also that The original way that we were thinking or I was thinking at that point, you know, like I've got an idea, let's just build it. It was closed. It was a fixed mindset as opposed to a a growth mindset that I think we've inherently got now, which is much more about, well, where could this thing go? How can this thing solve a problem for a person? And, And you can really go so far with this, which is, you know, it's exciting and scary at the same time.
0: I'm sure it is scary. And that is a lovely segue into my my next line of questioning for you, which is really around the challenges of building. A startup, right? Because it's certainly not easy building a startup in a space like social media, where there are some huge, huge players in there with lots and lots of money, lots of lots of resources. And I just wondered, how have you found the journey so far in terms of building the startup? Really stressful,
1: a real roller coaster, exciting. You know, there's so many people that you meet where you kind of you, you might ask them about what they do, and their face almost are like it's sort of like their eyes just sort of roll over a little bit. And oh gosh, have I got to talk. About what I do again, or they—they they just give you a, a job title, and, and that's it. It's difficult to get anything else from them. Uh, when you get me going about Curve as, as you're discovering right now, like I, I can't stop talking about. You know, I'm—I'm I'm obsessed by it. I'm—it's—it's it's ingrained in me. It's a part of me. That there doesn't really happen unless you've founded something that you feel like you've—you've you've got ownership over something like this. And so with that, though, it's—it's it, people. You know, people say it's like having a child. I, as people that, as someone who has two children, I don't think it's—it's it's not quite the same as a child, but it. It's not far off and, geez, I spend more time with my third child, Curve, than I do with my own actual children. And so that's that's the other side of it, of course, as well, is your obsession with something like this then can have a negative effect on your closest relationships. But at the same time, it can also bring wonder as well because it, it brings a kind of uh, an edge it becomes it, it brings a passion it bring, it begins a kind of like the opportunity to start a legacy as well like that you know that there's just so much up and down i, I mean i don't really know how to to answer that question just because it's so mixed you know it it's it, you know it's like your whole life <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I think you answered it perfectly, you know. And I think you know, like you say, you you've got two children, and you, you're probably spending more time with Curve. But I think that probably speaks to the mission you have with Curve, which is actually to create a better world for your children, right? Where social media drives societal change is a force for good rather than what we experience today. So, to, to touch on your roller coaster of of uh, of Curve, I, I guess there's been some decisions along the way where you have failed, but I was just wondering what are those ones that spring to mind where you think shouldn't have done that but and then what did you learn from it how did you grow from those kind of decisions
1: well the obvious failure was the way that we approached curve 1.0 and learning quickly and agilely around that was was I think super important and it does feel like I'm making mistakes every day but honestly I feel like I'm failing a lot my first job my first real job if you can call it real was as an actor where you know I'll go for auditions and put yourself out there you know you're you know, you're, putting, you're self out there it's a really important point with acting and then you, you know you stare you're being stared at by some individual in front of you sort of like nods or does nothing and then essentially says next bring on the next person and then you do that again and again and again as, it, as if that's a real job and then it's sometimes you get jobs and sometimes you don't i bring that up because that feels like constant failure but also through that experience i i had to had to become resilient and learn quickly and to not take failure as something that is a negative but as something that can help you that can you can sort of grow from in some way and that i hope is something that that i've tried to live my life by let alone the way that i I run curve there is a saying that stuck with me that i don't even know who said it but it goes fail fail again fail better and i like i like to think of the way that curve is happening (laughs) as just one massive failure after another but each time we're getting a little bit closer to, to what we're trying to achieve
0: i love that way of thinking about it and fail better that's that's really interesting You touched on acting. You also worked with the the Met in in gang prevention, if I'm not wrong, and then with working voices in in coaching and and training before your technology journey. Throughout your, your kind of career history, how has your attitude to failure changed? Has it changed? Yes,
1: I think it has changed. It's changed in that as you get older, or more specifically, I think, at the moment in which we had children, my thoughts on failure became different because you, it matters more, right? You, you you need to succeed more. And so the pressure feels more there. Whereas, of course, you know, when you're in your early 20s, they, <laughs> you can fail and then get back up on your feet and nothing's really changed, you know? Whereas there's, there's, there's more to, to look after now. Because of that, I think my relationship with, failure has changed but i'm proactively trying to remember the way that i've always jumped into failure and been courageous and ambitious in whatever i've tried to do and and ambition isn't possible without failure um you 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 have to try and jump further than you actually can and therefore you're going to fall but if you're not trying you're not going to to make that extra leap you're not going to go that extra step and so my relationship has changed but my desire to keep
0: failing hasn't I think you see a lot of high-performing people, a lot of success or what we would class as successful people often talk about the growth from failure, right? And that for me was, you know, there's so much untapped growth. If you don't embrace failure and look at it and really introspectively go, okay, what went wrong? You know, like you say, Jumping as far as you jump further than you can, and you will achieve more. I think that's such a uh, you know a great way to look at it. And I think that's exactly what you've done with Curve, right? You've you've certainly picked an industry to uh, jump very far in, and uh, there's some there's some big competition. But I think you're you're definitely doing it in the right way. Maybe you already answered this, but I ask every guest: Does failure scare you?
1: Yes, of course it does. It scares me, but being scared is something that passes. Uh, what you learn can continue
0: perfect. So we're near the end, but I just want to know from you, Carl, what's next for Curve? What's next for, for Carl Brown?
1: Well, we've got on our pitch deck right now, we have beta launch. Is it beta or beta? I've always wondered this, Mark. Can you can you, can you you solve this one for me?
0: I don't know. I, I think it's interchangeable. I, I think you call it whatever one you want.
1: Well, we have beta, beta. That's happened. Then we've got soft launch. We've got that out of the way. The next thing on the list is take on the world. So that's where we're going.
0: That's a very, very big ambition, and I, uh, uh, you know, will you be opening up for funding rounds and se- looking to secure investment, or is it very much trying to um, bootstrap this thing?
1: No, we we want investment. We want the right investment. That's really important. Someone or or a group that can see how if we harness this focus on both people and planet, that profit will inevitably come as well. And uh, and I think we've created a model and a system here that has great opportunity to, from an investment perspective, but also from the perspective of doing something important and meaningful and not only really important and meaningful but a necessity for us going forward so absolutely yeah if if there are investors out there that are listening to this and think well this sounds intriguing reach out
0: hopefully um, within the product community, within the tech for good, let's say, community, there's some people listening that might think I'm fully behind what Curve is trying to do. Um, we, we will try and facilitate anybody that is interested in investing in Curves through this podcast. That would be fantastic. The, the last section of this uh, podcast is, is what we call Pay It Forward. And uh, the previous guest writes a piece of uh, well-meaning advice of how to grow through failure. So your piece of advice, Carl, is don't be afraid of failure. Whether you're shipping a new feature or a new strategy document, focus on quality, not perfection, and eagerly anticipate feedback. The sooner you ship, the sooner you get feedback, the sooner your product gets better. So I will let you take that away. Carl, thank you so much for joining me on the Product Management Growth Through Failure podcast. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see how Curve grows. Where can people find out more about Curve?
1: So a key thing to say is Curve doesn't have an E. C-U-R-V, drop the E because we're cool. So it is joincurve, C-U-R-V dot That's the website. We are, weirdly, on Instagram as well, at joincurve, C-U-R-V. And you'll be able to join or at least join the waiting list, one of the two uh,
0: from, from either of those. And we're going to get a product community set up.
1: Absolutely, we are, yeah. So on on your Twitter handle as well.
0: Absolutely. Lovely stuff. Carl, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Wow, what an amazing episode with Carl there. I think he touched on some really interesting points, and I think Curve are trying to solve a really interesting and massive problem. So good luck to Carl and the Curve team. I'll be watching closely. Before I sign this episode off, I just wanted to bring everyone's attention to a talk I'm doing with Product Board and their Product Makers community. It's on April 27th. The talk is titled Building for Both Understanding the Difference Between Customers and Users in B2B SaaS. I'm really looking forward to giving the talk, and it'd be great to see as many people there as possible. You can sign up at productmakers.com. In the meantime, you can always tweet me at mark on product or fail grow podcast. Thank you.